I think everybody hates change at some level. There's a beautiful little cartoon I saw once of this guy talking to a crowd and, and, and he says, who wants to see change? And all, all the hands go up in the air. And then he says, who wants to change? And then all the hands stay down. We kind of hate change. And the only time we don't hate change is when we are in a position where we're kind of on top of things. Like we, it, the, the rules work in our favor. Of course, we don't want to have change. We want to want to stick with that as long as possible. But if you're not in that position, then of course you want some change so you too can, you know, have your cake and eat it. And every now and then you need people to drive that change. But as this year has shown, sometimes you just need a massive event like COVID-19 to create some of these changes for us. However uncomfortable or comfortable they've been for all of us. COVID-19 in 2020 has pushed forward some crazy, crazy changes. Some of them comfortable to some, some of them uncomfortable to some, but either way, it is what it is right now. So this episode, let's talk about some of the big changes, some of the big bubbles that have been burst this year. Are they going to be a, a, a pain point for you? Or are they going to be a point of opportunity? Let's dig in. Welcome to the Rebel Rules Podcast. I'm your host, Yuri in Singapore, and I want to learn from the rebels, rule breakers, innovators, and shit stirrers around the world. I want to find out what makes them tick. How do they do what they do? And then I want to share that with you so you can feed the rebel within. Hey there, you troublemakers. How's everybody doing around the world? I hope you are well wherever you are listening this podcast from 2020. What a crazy year it's been. And I think we're going to get a lot more surprises as we go. This is season one, episode four of the Rebel Rules podcast. Rebels rule the world. And that's what this podcast is all about. A couple of days ago, I put up a video of behind the scenes of the first podcast that I did over here. And it gives you a bit of an idea about what it was like for me a YouTuber to go podcasting. Now, I know a lot of YouTubers are podcasting, a lot of podcasters are YouTubing, whatever it is. I find it quite interesting how some of the things are very similar, some things are completely different. So if you want to go check out that video about my first podcast, head over to YouTube and find The Magic Sauce on YouTube. So head over to YouTube, find The Magic Sauce over there. Hey, and I want to give a special thanks to a couple of people who've been reaching out, who've been sharing the podcast, who've just been leaving some nice comments. So I want to give a big thanks to Ashida, to Thomas, to Tremaine, to Steph, and to my brother Gino, who's taken time, taken the time to listen to me, listen to his younger brother. So in this episode, let's look at some of the big bubbles that have been burst in 2020. This has been such a crazy year, a black swan event. Nobody could have seen this coming. I know there's people who are saying now in hindsight, well, if we did this and if we had done that, yeah, but it's all hindsight. It is what it is right now. I want to talk about some of these bubbles that have been burst this year, some of these norms that have been challenged. And a quick caveat for me here is these are in no particular order. I just have a couple of post-its in front of me that make sure I stay on track and I don't just waffle on and on and on. I just have a couple of ideas I want to share with you. I know that I'm just seeing these from here in Singapore. I mean, I've, I've been in Singapore now well, last time I left the country was in February when I went to VidCon, which is a YouTube conference in London together with my buddy Mark. That was the last time I left the country. So these are things that I've been seeing from here. So take away the pinch of salt. They're just some ideas for you. And I hope that they inspire some thinking. Maybe they are insightful. Um, and maybe you take action upon them. I'll leave that to you. Anyway, let's get into a couple of these bubbles that have been burst in 2020. Let's just start with the obvious. 
the way we look at work, like the, one of the biggest norms has been challenges, how we work, where we work, because everybody's been working from home. I, no, no, not everybody. There's, there's jobs out there. You cannot do that from home. I cannot imagine if you're a police officer that you can work from home. But a lot of jobs, people have been working from home or WFH, hashtag WFH. And I remember when this first got started and people were forced to work from home. They had to because the cities, countries, places locked down. So they had to work from home. One of the biggest things that came out was, well, what about productivity? People are just not going to work from home. They're just going to sit there with a martini and, and do their work. And the reality is, if I look around me, everybody I've seen, they're doing pretty well. People, I actually think in many, many cases, are more productive than they were working in an office. I mean, I can only imagine if you have kids, that rather than being in the office, wouldn't it be great if you could drop a few kids at school, then do your work at home, and then pick them up later in the afternoon, and spend a bit of time playing, and then do a bit of work later on at night. I mean, you have a lot more flexibility. But this whole, I don't think people are going to be productive, has really challenged the, the, the way that people trust other people, because you're at home. So often you can't see people. Now, I know some companies expect the people to be online. Maybe they need to check in at certain times on emails, whatever it is. But before you could see people sitting in an office. Now, it doesn't mean they work, by the way. <laughs> I know there's many workplaces out there. People look like they're working. They're really not working. The other norm that was challenged was, well, do we need an office? I mean, I don't know where you're listening to this from. Singapore is expensive. People pay tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars for office space only. It is ridiculous. People don't like going there. They don't want to sit in a Formica room, in a cubicle with colleagues they don't even really like. I think people always assume that people like their colleagues. I don't think so. I think a lot of people tolerate their colleagues. I don't think they necessarily like them. And if you like your colleagues, well, that's awesome. I hope you hang out with them or Zoom them even when you're working from home. But this whole we need to have an office thing is just... It's just one of these things that has really been challenged. And I think a lot of companies are now rethinking about how they work. I've been working from home for about 10 years, so I kind of know what that's like. And I understand the flexibility of it. It's got its challenges for sure, which is the next big bubble that's been burst. A kind of how, how we work from home, because the lines between home and work have now been blurred. I think before, some people probably took a cheeky meeting every now and then, maybe did a quick conference call, maybe did some emails but now you're working from home the whole day. What does that look like? And in many cases, I've seen where now people expect everybody just to be online all the time, weekends and evenings and time where people should be spending with their partner or just relaxing or with their kids or they should be sleeping. Now it's kind of morphed into this, let's just be available 24-7. And again, I don't know where you are in the world. Certain countries probably do this better this side of the world southeast asia people expect their team to be available and, and people kind of take it which i think sometimes is unfair for a lot of business to put so much pressure on the people and just expect them to answer the phone calls at like nine o'clock at night on a saturday this work life has kind of spilled into their to their home life i don't know about you but i remember years ago i was in a job and it was quite stressful and I remember I was at this clear role that I would not take this stuff home. I would deal with stuff outside the door to kind of compartmentalize, kind of leave that there. It was still going to be there tomorrow. That client's still going to be there. That email's still going to be there. Now it's a bit different. We've taken it into our homes and, and that, that comes with that comes with good and with bad things. Because home can be a sacred place as well where you connect with your family, with your kids, with your pets or just by yourself, whatever it is, home is kind of your space and it can be really weird for people to let that that work thing kind of just 
just just flow into your home. That's why a lot of people, I think, are compartmentalizing it by setting up a little office and a little space for them to take their calls and to go into these video meetings. But now it's not just work getting there. Now all of a sudden, your kids are around the whole time. You need to do homeschooling. Your your, your maybe your partner's around. Maybe your, maybe your maybe your parents are. Your family is around. You know, all of a sudden where before people kind of went to different places. You went to school, you went to work, you went to a social club, you went to these different places, and all of a sudden everybody's stuck at home, which has put tremendous stress on, on families. I think it's put a lot of stress on relationships. I know personally, I know people who've really been struggling with their partners, who've been struggling with their relationships, with their, with their siblings, but even with their kids. A friend of mine sent me a message in April. So Singapore went on a lockdown in April. That meant people couldn't really leave home you know, unless you had to go for necessities. So now all of a sudden my friend is stuck with his kids 24-7 and he sends me a message and he says, dude, I feel so bad saying this, but I thought I loved my kids, but they're really annoying. <laughs> Which I, I kind of laughed at, but it's it's different, right? And I think a lot of people are realizing that it's not the teachers at school, it's not the school system, it's the kids kids are full on i don't blame the kids kids are just kids and kids don't care about your boundaries that's why they walk into your space and that's why they want to play they don't care whether you got a conference call with 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 a client at 5 30 they just want to just want to hang out with you they don't want to make noise they do things that kids want to do but even with relationships it's putting a lot of strain on relationships because i think a lot of relationships work because one one side of the relationship is out to work, the other one's at home or they're in different places. They're not with each other all the time. And that's now being put under a bit of pressure. But hey, it's not all doom and gloom. It's also brought forward a lot of really positive things. People connecting with their kids at a different level, understanding their partners, having a better relationship with their parents. It's brought people together doing different things because, again, the rules have all of a sudden changed and maybe it's made the home a stronger place, which I think is a good thing. So this year has also shown us who matters and who doesn't. And I'm not just talking about family. I'm not talking about kind of your, your close relationships and your friends. It's also people in society, like who, who have the roles that we cannot miss. You know, of course, we're talking about uh, you know, healthcare workers, nurses, uh, logistics workers, care, caregivers, um, um, logistics crew. All these people, this year has, has put such a clear lens on it that those are the people that we should really appreciate more. And not just appreciate more, because what I've seen around the region is, let's say, let's say you're, let's say here, like construction workers or logistics workers or healthcare workers. A lot of people send them cards and say, you know, hashtag thank you for, thank you for your service and things like that, which, you know, I think is cool and, and is nice and heartwarming. But the reality is, why are these people not being paid more? Like, why? we? It's not like banks have done a lot for us. It's not like investors or VCs have done a lot for, the, for, for, for humankind this year. Why can we not give these people more money? Is this not the perfect opportunity to reassess where we put our resources and where we put our appreciation? Because we can give people a pat on the back. We can give them a drawing. We can send them a card. We can give them a hashtag on Twitter. But the reality is, why don't these people get better resources? Why don't they get paid more? It is it is kind of ridiculous that the people who we rely on most in, in these times when it gets really, really tough and you can really see who plays an important role are not getting the appreciation. And I'm sorry, but I don't think a shout out on Facebook is enough. I don't think that a little video, like a little... 
But if a government-sponsored video, a little corporate video saying thank you for all our workers or thank you for all our healthcare workers is enough, I think it is ridiculous. I think we need to show a lot more appreciation and we've really seen who matters. And on that note, let's talk about social media influencers because I think we can all agree that this year it's been super clear that these people don't influence anything Yes, you're pretty. Yes, you can do a couple of tricks. Yes, you're a fitness guy. Fantastic. I get all that. And I get that people get derive a certain pleasure out of that. But stop calling yourself an influencer. If you were that influential, if you were that badass, you could have done something this year with those influencing skills, with that network, with that reach, with the clout that you have to do something a lot more meaningful. And I'm aware that as I'm saying this, I'm sure there are people out there who've actually done something for humankind, for communities, for family members, for people in need this year but I've seen very little of it. It's all been very self-indulgent, petty, stupid, silly stuff that is just just focused on themselves rather than anything that is influential, anything that's meaningful to society. So this year has shown us really who matters and social media influences. Yeah, so now that I'm a bit of a roll, let's go on to the next point. The next big bubble is that people are decent. There's a Dutch historian called Rutger Breckman who's famous because he went to Davos and basically made everybody look like an idiot over there. I'll leave a link in the description below. You can watch that video. Big fan of his work. Controversial ideas. I love the way he thinks. He has a book called Most People Are Decent. Most People Are Cool. Which, you know what? I agree with. But this year, oh, it also shows this super selfish behavior from a individual's point of view. I mean, People hoarding toilet paper, cup noodles, these really stupid things. People literally fighting each other, trampling over each other, pushing their trolleys out. It's shown the worst of people. Now, I'm also aware that social media picks up on this and kind of exacerbates a stereotype. But we see really selfish behavior. And even at a bigger level, a lot of the corporations in the Netherlands, all the retailers in the Netherlands have ended up not paying their suppliers. So these big multi-billion dollar companies I understand they've got shareholders they need to report to, but they've ended up kind of leaving leaving these smaller suppliers, leaving them in the lurch, leaving them hanging dry, leaving them without paying, which I think is just horrible, selfish behavior. Even at a bigger level, a lot of the structures, a lot of the systems that we've had in place just don't work and cater for a couple of people and leave most people just hanging. When the chips are down, you can see what people are made of. So I know there's been a lot of selfish behavior, but it's also great to see individuals, communities, families, companies you know governments people coming together and doing doing stuff for the good and people who do show up when the chips are down that's been one of the most amazing things that i've seen this year and that's just been beautiful to see individuals families communities come together in times like these it's nice and heartwarming but also very necessary for us all to move forward into next year which is ambiguous we don't know what's going to happen next year and I know what, what, what we don't need is a selfish behavior. What we need is a lot more coming together, sharing of ideas, looking after each other. And I heard this the other day. Somebody said, if we all knew how much pain other people are in, we'd be a lot kinder to each other. We need to find better ways where we can work together, which, which don't always rely on these big, massive organizations, on these big incumbents to decide how we play the game. We need to come together as communities. And we need to, unfortunately, do a lot of this stuff ourselves. So here's to a... Here's to a more harmonized, a more together and a more caring and loving 2021. Another big bubble that was burst was this whole, is globalization a good thing? Is this whole global connectivity a good thing? I remember when, when the first signs of COVID were there, at least for, for me they were there, like earlier in the year, I 
talked to a couple of people about this COVID situation. I, I didn't know a lot about it and I had a lot of wrong ideas about it, by the way. But I shared a couple of my ideas. I remember a lot of people around me saying, hang in there in China. First of all, I had to explain to them that Singapore is not part of China. Singapore is a completely separate country. But it was an Asian thing. People didn't think too much of it. It was like, it's just a, it's just a China thing. It's like an Asian thing. Hang in there in Asia. And I remember saying, well, hang on. They're saying it's a pandemic for a reason, which means it will go all over the world. And you can see how this hyper-connectivity can also work against us. I mean, globalization, we're all connected to a ridiculous level. We're all flying all over the world, we're all mixing goods and people all together. Well, is that necessarily a good thing? Because we've seen this year that it comes with massive challenges. And I worry that in 2021, by the time we start traveling again, let's assume we're going to start traveling at some point, at least between certain countries. I'm afraid we're going to see all these bubbles come back, all these all these pockets of COVID popping up left and right, and it will just be an endless battle of just like one fire starts over here, you put it out and then it starts over there again. Which should really make us reconsider the way we are connected. It should make us reconsider how we travel. I know a lot of people say they, they need a vacation, by the way. I hate that word. Particularly in like a Western world, like I need a vacation. No, I think you'd like a vacation. I don't think you need it. What you need is water, air, love, big fat hug, maybe beer on the side. This whole I need to go on a vacation is overrated. I think you can do a lot in your own city in your own town in your own country and i think we've been pushed to do that and maybe that's not a bad thing and speaking of needing stuff let's talk about the last one which is consumerism this mass consumerism of just always being able to get anything you want 24 7 just a click on your smartphone you can order something from whatever country that made buying a lot easier and i understand again it's it's helping a bunch of people make a shitload of money but is it that good for us i think this year for a lot of people, first of all, I think money was down. I think a lot of people may have lost their job, which you know is very sad to see. They've had to slim down a bit. They've had to trim down a bit. They've looked at their lives and gone, why do I have all this stuff? Why do I have all this baggage around me that I don't need? And they've been decluttering their home. They've been starting to cook at home a lot more. Why do we always need to go out and eat? Now, I don't know where in the world you're listening to this from, but on this side of the world, a lot of people eat out all the time. It's very common for people to eat their meals out. And for a long time, it was closed because of the lockdown, because of because of COVID-19. And at this time of recording, the Netherlands, the all the restaurants have gone on, on lockdown again for the next couple of weeks. So people are forced to stay in, cook at home. And again, that's not a bad thing. People have reconnected with cooking skills, baking. People have been baking. So I've had so much banana bread and cakes and donuts. Uh, by the way, Ilka, my neighbor, if you're listening to this one, thank you so much for all the cakes you've given me. <laughs> she would just leave a little little cake for me outside the door and send me a message saying, by the way, I left you a little, left you a little cherry pie outside. Why don't, you, why don't you give it a go? Tell me what you like. Such sweet things I've been seeing in the neighborhood. But people have been cooking, people have been baking. People have been growing the little vegetable gardens, their own little herbs at home. And I think that's brought a lot of that back. That will definitely have an impact on consumerism. Now, I understand that that's put a big damper on a lot of retailers out there and people who want you to buy more. But is that such a good thing to have a lot? I mean, I shouldn't be talking. I'm literally looking here at what? 25 pairs of shoes in front of me i mean it is ridiculous i'm i'm just as guilty as so many people out there i own 100 pairs of sunglasses i'm terrible it's it's my thing but it's made me rethink this year's made me rethink about what i need and this year has been very 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 tough and it's made us recalibrate and rethink things 
And one of the things is, do we need so much stuff? Now, all of a sudden, you're at home. You see how much you have. Let's get rid of a couple of things. Let's sell a couple of things online. Make make a couple of bucks back. Repair a couple of things. We don't need that much. And I understand a lot of people are making money off this and they need that for their bottom line. They get all that. But I really hope for a future where we consume less. We've seen the impact on society. I don't think we need that many things. I think we're unhappier and we're trying to fill that that unhappiness. We try to fill that void with just buying stuff. Don't know about you, but if you look at Singapore, Singapore shopping is a hobby for people. People just go out and buy things just just for the sake of buying them. It's like it's a pastime for people. And it's it's kind of the saddest thing ever. So I hope moving forward we have a good look at what we have and we realize, you know, do we want this? Do we want this for ourselves? Do we want this? For our kids, do we want this for our planet? Because we've seen the ramifications of all this mass consumerism. So that's one of the big things that's been challenged this year. And um, I hope we get something good out of these. So there you have it, a couple of norms that have been challenged this year. We talked about working from home and productivity and the meaning of offices. We talked about relationships with kids and with partners and with families. We talked about, you know, seeing who's important, who really matters in society, who's playing their part, who's really showing up. And also talk about, you know, when the chips are down, what happens? We've seen a lot of selfish behavior. We've seen a lot of really great behavior where people come together as well. We talk about globalization and just questioning whether that is necessarily always a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's, you know, it's necessary in many, many cases, but it's something that needs to be challenged. And finally, we talked about this consumerism and how people are becoming a lot more aware about what they buy, what they eat, what they have, and then kind of slimming down a bit this year it's just been about you know going back to a lot more basic things it's not necessarily a, a pleasant thing to have but it's been a necessary thing to have this year so what do you do with these things then well that is completely up to you I just wanted these things to be maybe a bit of food for thought maybe some insights maybe some ideas in there for you they're just they're just opportunities they're just things that that I'm seeing, maybe you're probably seeing some of the same things as well. And you know what? I probably missed out a whole bunch of them. These are just some of my ones that I've written down here. I hope they, they do something for you. I hope you can take these forward. But at the end of the day, you can do with them as you please. They're completely in your hands. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Hey, if you could do me one little favor, share this podcast with one person who you think needs to listen to this one. Or if you want to watch it, you can go to YouTube and find The Magic Sauce if people would rather watch these podcasts rather than just listen to them. Again, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you here next time. Rebel on.